You're listening to the DGD Podcast. Sponsored by La Touraine. Here's your hosts, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. As you can see, the Chan Gang is out, which means one thing, folks. Got a commitment from Amarius Mims and Gabe Harris over the weekend. Well, actually, today was Mims. But uh, anyways, welcome to the DG Podcast, joined by Mike and the Green Soldier and Mr. Juan Daniels. What's going on, man? Sorry I'm late. Not much, not much. We are are in to talk about how it is a bad day to be a no. So we're going to do some (laughs) no trolling real fast, guys. Woo! This morning was interesting, to say the least. If you listen to Twitter Spaces, if you are not familiar with Twitter Spaces, get familiar with Twitter Spaces because FSU Twitter Space was, uh, what's the word, Mike? Would you say toxic? Would you say entertaining? All of the above? Let's just say all of the above, man. It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was something else, man. It was. Oh, there's, just, there's also this thing called G Day we're going to talk about too. But um, right now we're just doing some null trolling. Juan, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what happened. Obviously, the Mims recommitment to um, to Georgia, withdrawing his name from the transfer portal. Um, but yeah, so over the weekend, uh, as soon as the news broke that he had entered the portal, right? Give a backstory here. Uh, you know, immediately takes a visit down to Tallahassee. From that point, there was an article written from Warchant. It's Noel's, uh, I want to say rival site or whatever. Uh, basically saying that they got him, completely got him, right? It's, it's done, done. Uh, turns out that is not the case. Um, as you can see this morning, uh, he is staying with Georgia. And boy, was the Twitter spaces fun. That's all I'm going to say. Just listening in, being a fly on the wall. I'm telling you right now, boys and girls, it was absolutely hysterical. Uh, Mike, uh, Green Soldier, what, what do y'all think about that Twitter space? Well, how do y'all feel about that? Um, I think it's a lot of finger pointing and finger waving. And one of the big moments for me to realize the separation between Georgia and everyone else is there's a major concern from them that they didn't raise enough money. And one of the proprietors who is actually helping them gather money into an NIL prospect fund didn't reach their goal. And one of the first things they started saying is the fans should apologize to this guy for not meeting that threshold. And to me, if the crux of the argument is the NIL was going to make or break this. You weren't really in the running to begin with because you have to think the fight you have is simple. Georgia has three first-round tackles in its first six years under Kirby Smart, has several second, third, and fourth rounders at the offensive line position in total, and you have to upsell that. And that's with Kirby actually recommending that he talk to Atkins down at Florida State for the prospect of making Mims a better player. And on the back half and the positive message, it is ultimately the player's choice. And I think where Georgia, again, has a massive advantage is Coach Smart is going to be openly honest and recommending what he would do if the transfer portal was the final decision of that player. Whereas a lot of these other places are just selling promises. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it just shows you like, you know, for me, I legitimately thought that there was, you know, a 0% chance here, right? Uh, just knowing a little bit about the MEMS situation, right, wanting to play in time, but also keeping that reservation of, you know, the, the motto of it's not always greener on the other side, pun intended, right, Scott? Um, anyways, but but as you see things, trans, you know, transpire, and now you're, you see, uh, you know, Georgia reclaim, if you will, uh, Amarius MEMS, Mike, what, what does that mean? What's your takeaway for, you know, what does that mean for Georgia moving forward, getting uh, Mims back? As we cannot hear, Mike. Mike want to check the mic himself. Yeah, that's it. So uh, 
So the biggest thing with the, with having Mims back was that we were we had issues of what we have coming up next. I mean, the plan was like if Broderick goes down or if McClendon goes down, who's going to be the guy behind him? And as we saw on G-Day, we saw Ernest Green start one of the positions at a freshman, and that's something that I don't think that Georgia really wanted. So with having Mims back, that leaves Ernest Green to – going to this year, just um, going through his progressions, taking it slow and looking at next year to start. So that's just the best plan Georgia can look at now of seeing recruits as, okay, we have this spot for the next two years minimum. Now we have to worry about, not, instead of us having to worry about three or four possible tackles, we could probably go down to two or three tackles getting recruited this year. You know, I'm with I'm with you here. Juan, I want to get your thoughts on this uh, from your perspective, keeping Amarius Mims in the fold uh, along the offensive line. What does that do for Georgia in your eyes? I mean, basically, again, it just gives us depth at, at the offensive line. Um, and it, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a fight now. Um, and, and what that does is it should energize the offensive line and those guys that basically said, you know, Mims, you were in the transfer portal. You're looking to get out. You're looking to do something. Now you're going to really have to earn your way back in there. And that person that was having to step up because Mims was leaving, they should be, you know, going above and beyond to try to make sure he does not have a spot um, or, or, or he's going to be the backup. So I, I think the competition is going to be uh, a, a lot better. I'm with that, too. I'll tell you right now, <clears throat> at first, I thought Mims was leaving due to playing time and things like that. So with him coming back, I think there's a possibility that you could see him side into left guard. Listen, if it's a playing time thing, play guard and slide out after, you know, slide out next year. And the reason why I say that is if you look at Bama, they've taken several offensive linemen and shown them the willingness to move inside and then relocate back outside at the tackle spot while getting to be a first-round pick. You're about to see it right now with Evan Neal, Alex Leatherwood, right? There's several examples based off of just Alabama alone. Mims is super athletic. This is not – it's it's unreal how athletic this guy is to be his size. You slide inside, you're going to dominate, absolutely dominate those three techs, period. Just period, based off your athleticism alone. It would fit into, you know, what I would assume Stacey Searles wants us offensive line to do, what Todd Munkin's scheme offensively would fit into, right? And you also look at, you know, the situation with us having to try to figure out that spot at left guard, assuming that right guard comes in once, uh, you know, Tate Rattledge, once he's healthy, that becomes his, right? So in my opinion, I think there's a chance to prove that you could play inside, move outside next year, and you're still going to play. You're still going to be a first-round pick, right? Because, you know, you want to be a first-round pick, which is my assumption here. That's why I thought he was leaving, right? You want to get on the field. Come back. You sit there and you, you know, play guard. You you fill in that left guard spot. Your offensive line at that point would become concrete, right? Obviously bearing injury. But nonetheless, that becomes one of the most dominant offensive lines in the country, Right. And then you sit there and add on to the fact that uh, with all the weapons that we've got, that you, that makes an offense extremely dangerous, which we're about to transition into uh, perfect time uh, with G-Day, right? G-Day Saturday. Um, I want to say the attendance was 68,000, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That was the official number, 68,000 and some change. There you go. The Green Soldier coming through with the stats. First off, we'll go Mike. Scott, Juan, and myself. Main takeaway. What is your main takeaway from G-Day Saturday? Mike, hey, Mike, what you, what you feeling on, bud? Okay, I didn't want me to start. Um, my biggest thing was seeing who would solidify that middle linebacker position. Like, the inside linebacker is just the number one thing that we were trying to – like, we had three dudes that left to go to, to, to go into the draft. Now who's going to step up? I mean, we saw Tresman Marshall and we saw JDJ Dumas Johnson and that they were, of course, I mean, everybody's going to talk about how they couldn't guard Milton or, or McIntosh. I mean, 
doing a rollout, let's be honest here. Like, nobody's going to catch those dudes. But as far as them protecting that middle and making sure that if they if a linebacker, if a wide receiver or a tight end went up that middle, they were going to get hit. Or if uh, Stenson Bennett made a mistake, he was going to notice it. And that's what they did. Green, we'll turn it over to you, my man. What, what was your main takeaway from Saturday? Tight end and receiver play. I think the tight ends absolutely crushed it, especially with the separation of talent that you had Stetson dealing with a walk-on and Oscar Delp on the red team, absolutely getting better as the day went on. You can see a lot of the talent and a lot of what he is. We saw in Brock Bowers, which is just exciting to no degree. And one of the great comeback stories for Reed Gilbert to me that makes me happy is understanding that his mental health has gotten in a place where he feels comfortable to practice at the elite level. Georgia is asking of him to work out, to do all the right things. And he was rewarded with an absolutely studly game, causing two PIs and critical downs, two touchdowns, uh, fighting for a throwaway ball that Stetson threw and still catching it. I, I just think he really showcased a lot of talent, especially with coming back. He's going to get faster, guys. He's going to get lighter and leaner. So just get ready because the summer is going to be really good to Mr. Gilbert. Uh, the defensive growth, I think, was incredible. As the game went on, the defense got better and better and better, especially for the red team, which is what you want to see. It, with how much we were airing it out, I genuinely believe Coach Smart, Coach McGee sat down and said, all right, Kendall, all right, K-Mac, we know what you guys are. We're going to air it out a lot. You're still going to get a few zone reads here to keep you fresh and honest, but you could tell the game plan going into it was to air it out. And the quarterbacks have gotten better as a whole. I know people look at Stetson's stat line, but really Bryce Young's the best quarterback in the game, and he threw no touchdowns and one interception in the spring game. Stat lines for spring games are you know, kind of non-starters in my opinion. Beck is an elite downfield passer. He missed some easy throws, which you could see why he's got to get a little more polished. But from year one to year two to what will be year three, I, I think Beck is going to be pushing Stetson week four and on for sure. That's my take. There you go, guys. Juan, what would you say what, what your main takeaway from GNET? Uh, just, just explosive offense. Um for me, I'm, I'm I'm an offensive guy, but to to see Beck throw the ball down the field on that on on his first drive, uh, to to see them uh, getting balls, you know, in, in the red zone, being aggressive in the red zone to uh, Arik Gilbert, um, and 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 then you know get trying to get the ball to Mitchell, and uh, they they did a lot of, a lot of you know throwing the ball out of the out of the backfield and 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 all of that kind of good stuff, I thought was was absolutely great. The other thing is, is how well the line, the the ones line did against the one uh, the ones defensive line, and giving uh, Stetson Bennett enough time to throw. And even though uh, e even though Beck was going against the twos, he did look pretty good in certain situations. Again, there was a couple of swing passes or passes out of the backfield that he he did miss. And again, yes, he does have to get more polished on that. Oscar Delp, I mean, just played awesome i mean and, and just think i mean this guy technically should still be in high school so for him to 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 come out and do what he did i thought was great so the offensive production missing a lot of key guys to me was something that i loved seeing and just like they were you know basically saying is that they're you're going to have to score more points this year you're not going to have that elite defense that's losing you know seven eight guys you're not going to have those guys so you're going to have to score more points and from what i saw based off of weapons being on both sides the red and the black team you put those together you condense those together george is going to have a dynamic offensive team and they're going to be doing things the likes of the 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 Alabamas and the LSUs you know of of recent if Munkin decides to open it up that way you know I, I think my takeaway from this is one thing it's pretty simple <clears throat> the future is bright that's all I'm gonna say whether it be offense or defense the future is bright obviously we talked listen Mama Delt made her call and it stuck true right she said he was going. She that was going to be the player of the game, and, and there was an argument for him to be player of the game, right? Let's be honest. I did not expect that kind of performance, even though I should have. I didn't expect that that soon. 
So that right there shows me that the future is promising. It also would not surprise me if at one point during the season, we see a 14 personnel, period. And I don't know if any single other team in the country would have the ability to do so. But honestly, Georgia could do that and still be efficient. That is just, it's asinine just to think that, but it's possible, right? And then on defense, I'll tell you right now, everybody looks at Ringo as a bona fide starter, and that's fine. Kamari Lassiter doesn't play, and that's understandable, right? This was a banged-up football team. We kind of knew this coming in. Uh, try to avoid the injuries and things like that. I'm just saying this right now. Nyla Green had himself a day, in my opinion. You know, look at safeties. You look at uh, Malachi, different things like this. Guys flying across, you know, I, I know they're new. I know they're young, but you didn't see any hesitation. They just went and ran at it 100%. And typically with new guys, Juan, you know, you know this, there's a little bit of hesitation. And, and to me, I didn't see that. They were still willing to play man coverage, which you saw in the uh, pass interference calls, things like that. That's okay, especially when they're young and they're learning, right? You're learning the, the feel of the SEC and, and, and the next level for that matter. Um, but Patrick over here takes another comment for me. Uh, you know, receivers out there looking like Juan Daniels. Give me that ball. Right? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I love the fact that we had so many receivers get touches. Like, obviously, when you throw the ball 70-plus times, right, that's important. Because that, you know, I want to see I want to see diversification of who gets the ball. Right? And it wasn't even just the receivers you had back. You know, you had Kendall Milton on a 32-yard bomb. Uh, from Stetson, I think it was. Uh, nice. I want to say it was like 60 yards, 60 yard bomb to Arian Smith uh, on the first drive. For yes, the, yes, it was. The black team or the red team, I mean. Like, it was just beautiful. But I'm telling you right now, if you're a Georgia fan, take this away. Take away from this right here. Stetson Bennett is your starter, and that's okay. It's okay. Just because you saw back lighted up, listen, that's what I'm saying. You, we are in good hands. It is a perfect problem to have. But Stetson Bennett will be your starting quarterback. And understand that as so long as, as Carson Beck is in there, you still have an elite playmaker right behind Stetson Bennett. And I'm telling you right now, next year, Stetson, when he goes, Carson Beck is going to have his hands full. Because if, if we were to get Arch Manning, then you've got a real quarterback competition on your hands with, with Carson, uh, you know, Carson and Brock. Like Brock looked really well, too. So, you know, the quarterback situation, you know, everybody wants to sit there and make, you know, get all pissed off about Stetson being the starter and especially looking at, you know, that 60-yard bomb from Beck to start the game. Listen, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Stetson's still the guy. This is simple enough. Absolutely. And and it's tons of experience that Stetson brings back, and we know what we have when the live rounds start firing, so to speak, in the season. Stetson, for all his silly mistakes make some incredible throws. His mobility alone adds another X factor into it. We haven't seen from a quarterback under Kirby Smart until Stetson came in. And it's an embarrassment of riches. I think the quarterback room and UGA fans need to get on the same page and understand it's only good. If Stetson's not good enough, Beck will be. If Beck's not, you go to the younger talent. It's just it's one of those positive things that I've seen turned into a negative thing for the sake of the grass is greener on the other side. And while I like JT Daniels, I would openly say this. I know Juan's played an elite level. I've played some football. I know other people in the chat probably have too. Availability is a measure that a coach must take into account. When you have seven games in two seasons and four injuries across that, have no fault to the player. You have to take that into consideration when Stetson possibly played with a broken thumb all of 2020. So it's just a measure of, okay, would I rather have that B play? Is the uh, connection back? Yes, sir. All right. So last thing, would would you rather have a guy who's a B minus to level B level quarterback play all 30 games, hopefully, in two seasons? Or would you rather have one that can play seven at the next level passing-wise? And again, th- this is the harsh reality of the elite college football team. You're going to have great players that don't get to play right away. But 
Iron sharpens iron. Juan made a great point talking about, okay, Mims coming back in the fold is going to create an internal competition, which only makes everyone surrounding it better. You know, I, I'm with that. I really am. Because I saw I saw growth in places where we needed it the most, right? You look at that, I wouldn't say the entirety of the defense, but definitely your linebackers and your secondary. And, and I saw growth there. And, and that's that's really important, right? Because you know, right now there's some questions that we're still going to go into the uh, into the summer, not knowing, and we'll probably won't know until September third, and maybe even after that, right? Who's going to be the actual starter? Who's going to be the clear uh, cold cut? You know, who is going to be the guy, right? Nylon Green shows his promise. You know, listen, I know Don Blaylock. One, I would, I know, I would have loved to see this out of you, but uh, throwing that bomb. You know, it gets picked off. Listen, that was a perfect, perfect interception. High point in the ball. You know, that's what you want to see, especially from a head coach. You know, your cornerback going up, high point in the ball. That's where receiver or DB, right? Making an excellent, you know, excellent pick, right? Causing havoc, right? Um, you look at the D-line, uh, Notorious, TID, right? coming in wreaking havoc with Jalen Carter. Right. That's another one you want to keep an eye out for. Everybody's talking about Jalen Carter and rightfully so. Keep in mind, you've got guys like Zion Lowe and Notorious TID, as I call them. You know, you still got those guys. And you've also got some freshmen guys. You've got freshmen that hadn't even got here yet. Looking at guys like Marvin Jones Jr., stud. Um, you know, looking at uh, Michael Williams and, and Chris Miller, stud. Right. It. The future is bright. I'm going to, I started off with that. I'm going to finish that way. The future is bright in Athens, period. Now, Mike, I do have a question. I might be the only one that did not attend G-Day. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to get your feel, obviously, uh, with Georgia coming off the national title. What was the environment like in your perspective? What was it like? Oh man, it was it was crazy, man. It was fun. People were just I mean, you just saw people ready to see what's next up. I mean, there were like where I was sitting at, people always talk like people behind me were talking about these upcoming players that are that are show, showing up. Uh these these uh they were talking about specifically like guys like you talk about like Dalen Everett being like people don't understand what Dalen Everett yes, he did get picked on a little bit there. But the quarterbacks had to make some very tough throws. I mean, those were some crazy throws that they had to get to. Well, I mean, like I mean, you had to you had to have true QB to wide receiver knowledge for them to make those throws. I mean, he was not even. I mean, a step maybe not maybe a half a step away from the DB, and that it just had to be a perfect throw like that. Like that's the reason why I think Everett will be a big name to remember. Um, as, but going back to the environment, people were crazy. People were screaming. They were just ready to do this again, run it back in 2023. That's, that's basically how it goes. Juan, well, uh, you went to Judah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, I was I, I, I was planning on it, but did not. I was not able to make it. Uh, all righty then. Well, uh, Mr. Green, um, I know you attended. Yes, what sir. What was the environment like firsthand there? Extremely competitive, positive, but businesslike. A lot of people were hoping to see Brock Vandegrift back. Of course, that was the big narrative is the quarterback battle. I think the first opening series for both quarterbacks, Stetson and Beck, was incredible. I think Stetson absolutely dialed up some amazing throws, the wheel route to K-Mac, Beck's throw to Arian Smith. And I think people realize the tone of Georgia football when they saw it live and in color, especially you have white jerseys, guys who aren't supposed to be in the rough and tumble part of it, and they're still getting popped. And that's kind of the competitive nature that is the baseline of Georgia football. And going to the defensive backs, here's the context, guys. We're so good that Chris Smith rotated in and out, probably 40, 50% of the reps. Then you have Ty Smith, former All-American from West Virginia, who's not playing. Kamari Laster is held out. And you have guys like Dirty Dan Jackson over there that are playing their little butt off, you know, flying around, making plays on your starting quarterback, who, for all his faults, is a pretty darn good thrower to the outside. And so we're in such a good position overall 
and people who don't know the names of these players will soon be acquainted because everybody from first to second to third competed in a way I have not seen overall in the spring game ever. Because normally it's been hit and miss. You can tell really who's taking it serious and who's not. And this time it seemed like everyone was on the same page and everyone knew they were competing for playing time starting a fall camp. One, I'm assuming you watched Saturday. I know you said you didn't make it in person. <clears throat> what was your main, you know, takeaway to moving forward into summer uh, with with G Day? Just the competition part. Um, I, I mean, seriously, there there was crazy competition. People are going above and beyond to step up to replace the guys that are that are leaving, and they're fighting to be that starter. They're fighting to be a part of something to go for a back-to-back. Um, and, and I know that there's been issues or people talk about, you know, Stetson Bennett, but look at the guy who was, who was calling the game, Greg McElroy. I mean, he's, he won a championship at, at, at Bama and he was not, you know, this dynamic, you know, super duper crazy quarterback. And I, I think this day and age, people don't really understand the art of football. If that's all you want to do is play big, big 12 uh football where you're scoring 60 70 points and it's 65 to to whatever there is a great strategy that 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 kirby's using that he's brought from from nick saban uh and 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 the saban era of playing great defense let's let, let let's play great offense let's not turn the ball over let's use our weapons and let's be very very smart about how we're doing things and now that the group has bought in you can really see these guys fighting and also too you know you you're the the defending national champs your game is going to be on tv you want to go above and beyond to make a name for yourself like gilbert did gilbert went out there and he showed who he is and who he has the potential to be and if i'm a defensive coordinator if i'm dan lanning from oregon i'm thinking to myself I was already kind of had a had a package for for the Brock Bowers and, and the other guys, but good freaking grief. What am I gonna do with this guy? And then of course you look, you know, these guys defensively, how am I gonna go against these guys who are I mean, they gave it their all in that in the, in that spring game and, and that was great to see. You know, I was sitting there watching that and one of my takeaways here is the offensive scheming that Todd Munkin has at his disposal. Is going to be downright lethal for any defensive coordinator that we go against. Down in the red zone, when Eric Gilbert was out wide and you had the bunch formation on the opposite side, that right there is a nightmare scenario, depending on the personnel that Georgia runs out there. Because if you give me a Lad McConkey in the, you know, Lad McConkey in the middle of that bunch, and you put a, you know, put a Brock Bowers with an AD Mitchell out there, I'm telling you right now, the the problems that that will pose is downright petrifying, just absolutely scary from based off of the potential. And, you know, looking at the efficiency in the red zone, things like that, you know, there's some Oregon fans that I was listening to on Twitter, and, and they were saying that they had tuned in. Uh, there, there's some of them that think there's a little bit less confidence there, and, and rightfully so, unfortunately. You know, I want that game to be good, but I'm telling you right now, once, once Georgia returns back to full health, it, it's over. <laughs> it's almost one of these things where if you come out and you sit there and watch your scripted plays, like your scripted job, that's one situation. But you know, you know, Juan, if you know this, after the script, it's just pure talent and athletes, right? Making plays. Georgia's got way too many to sit there and game plan against. You can't do it. I, I'm not saying you can't do it because I'm sure Alabama will to some degree. But for what it's worth, it's going to be downright impossible to sit there and cover every single one up because you're going to have a mismatch at any position, whoever you try to go for. Arie Gilbert's too fast for a linebacker, right? Brock Bowers the same way. It's just insane. With that being said, let's talk about the scholarship situation, right? We talked about mm-hmm. Mims committing back to Georgia, right? Everybody knows you got 85 is the limit, right? Correct. What are our – so I want to say we stand right around 88 or so, I think. 88, 89. It could be closer. It's closer to 90 than it is what we need. So, yeah. With that being said, right. They expect some more attrition, right. Or some, you know, some maneuvering, right. Juan, you probably know this being a part of Georgia's team at one point, 
you might see guys take a walk on, right? Walk on, but actually don't have to worry about that. But you know, you can see some guys pop off those full scholarships, right? To help cut here as well. But don't under like underestimate, don't underestimate, I should say, wow, don't underestimate the potential for more attrition to come after this, right? Because listen, Georgia is going to sit there and go hit the portal to find those instant impact players, especially you look at guys in the edge position, you can take a safety, you know, different things like this to try to get Georgia back into the playoffs and back to in the national title hunt. So it's, there's, listen, there's a lot of moving still to go on. So don't, you know, don't get all comfortable and things like that. Cause you're going to ex- expect it. Some guys are going to leave. It's just a matter of who uh, Mike Scott, uh, you know, I'd like to see if y'all what y'all have thoughts on uh, in regards to the scholarship spots uh, that Georgia's currently sitting at. So yeah, so going back with scholarship, yeah, I think to my belief, I think it's around ninety with Mims coming back. I think that I think that did make it ninety in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know who's going. I mean, like say, I mean, I know you're talking about like the the walk on um, option, but I just really don't see that for. A lot of these guys, I mean, in my opinion, to what I saw on uh, on Saturday was that a lot of these guys could possibly start for a different team. I mean, maybe not at a, of course, not the SEC due to the April time time frame, but other other um, D1 schools or if they want to take an option, D2 schools would definitely take a look at a lot of these dudes if they if they honestly couldn't wait. But I mean, just just thinking about that opinion of that, I just don't know who would leave Georgia after seeing G Day. Like they they have to reduce it down to five, they have to reduce it down to six to hit the portal, and it's just going to be a tough one to, to figure out who would that be. I think we may have a one, maybe two shockers, in my opinion. Right. What do you think, sir? I think that of the five, possibly four. I think two of them will go other places because there'll be older guys that have been rotational pieces. have been fighting for playing time. Amir Speed was a good example. I think he paid his dues and, and wanted to go play. And, and best of luck to him. I, I think he's earned every bit of that. But I think we could see two of those. Um, do have the option. Again, this is back in 2009 and 10, so this may be old old hat. But you could take a full academic ride and turn it into a full athlete. Uh, a full a- athletic ride into a full academic based on hope. If a player qualifies for hope, everything is paid for. So there still can be that bump down of, hey, listen, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're not on an athletic scholarship anymore. But I, I do agree with Michael. Some of the attrition will be to go play because while developing at Georgia is better than 95% of the other teams out there, they still want to play. And that's ultimately the goal. Regardless if they think they're NFL bound or not, they actually want to develop utilizing the field. And Tanel, I'm actually going to get with you on that. I'm going to look at the roster real quick while these other gentlemen are talking and, and hopefully get you a few names that I think could be possibles. I'm you know, me, as well. me personally, I, I don't really want to name drop anybody. Um, if I have to do that, Tanel, I'll give you positions and let you make your own assumptions from here. Um, you know, if I if I'm looking at it right, I think you might I hate to say this, you might see a receiver to leave. Um, I, I think, and I'm not saying nothing bad, right? It's a good situation for Georgia to have, but there's so much talent there, um, you know, that you just you're not going to be able to sit there and put all of those guys on the field, right? Uh, you just hope that it's you don't want to sound bad about it either, but like, you know, take I don't know, just take a guy that you know that shows the capability to make plays, uh, you know, wish him the wet, wish him the best and, and let him go somewhere uh, and succeed. Right. Like you said, uh, like uh, green said, you know, mere speed was a good example. Uh, you know, so you look at these situations right here. I think you could see a receiver, maybe even two, depending on, you know, how you view things. Uh, I would like not to see an offensive lineman, probably a guard uh, go, but who knows uh, you might see a deep a D lineman, even though I really don't want to see that either. Uh, you know, a D lineman might bounce, uh, you know, but like Mike said, you know, there, there's always that one potential uh, for that one or two shockers. Right. So honestly, I don't know. I'm not going to name drop anybody. I just gave you my positions that you might expect to see, um, you know, hit the portal. Uh, 
But obviously, once Georgia gets that 85 number situated, listen, expected to go a little bit below. So that way they can have the potential to add as well. And and listen, when it comes to the portal, Kirby has shown over the years since he's been Georgia's head coach, he's not just going to go pick somebody from Blue Mountain State to come in and sit the bench. He's going to go grab All-American players, instant impact players, and get them ready to go. You look at DK, you look at Tyke outside of the injury, right, coming in. uh, When he entered the portal, Tyke was a freshman All-American. He was an impact guy. Obviously, you can't predict the injuries, but you get the point, right? Kirby's going to go after these impact players that he knows he can sit there and provide an instant boost. Is, you know, as teams start to wind down, you've got several spring games this weekend. Once the spring uh, practices are settled, expect a ton of boom. It's about to get hot. The portal is about to get ridiculous. Okay. Right. So Kirby is Kirby's waiting for this, right? And and obviously, you know, we don't want to see those spots in a situation where guys have to leave. But when you're in the state of the, you know, in the state of being where Georgia is, this is business now. It's just business. So, you, you like I said, I don't like to see guys leave. I don't know if anybody else here agrees. But at the end of the day, I think even the players understand it's a business now, right? They're going to – if they get told to go somewhere else, or however it is, if they decide to leave, listen, they're going to go and be successful, right? They're given another opportunity to go out and prove themselves, right? Latavius Brady is going to have a good year for our Absolutely. All right? Like, you look at these guys – Jermaine Johnson at Florida State. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson was a perfect example. Jermaine Johnson was what, at the time, guys, he was what, sixth in the rotation last year going to be? Sixth or fifth, yeah, he was. Fifth or sixth, and, and then goes and becomes a defensive player of the year in the ACC. And guaranteed first-round pick. Watch. Just saying. He's going to be a first-round pick. Just saying. Right. And, and I think the, the smart move, uh, Robert, is to do what you did, which is – pick positional groups and say, this is who we think in terms of overall, I doubt an offensive lineman goes just because we are so thin there and everybody knows it's a play away. I think they saw Tate last year and realized, Hey, that's a third snap into a top five team we're playing in week one. And now I got to be ready to go. And the shuffle happened immediately making, you know, guards play tackles, you know, tackles come in. I mean, Roger Jones in the national championship game, perfect example of being ready. And really, by all intents and purposes, the man beat the second or first best college football player in the fourth quarter. So I would say, ultimately, I trust this coaching staff enough to know the ins and outs of the team so well. They already have names that they have on a sheet of paper or chart and say, okay, these are the guys that are talking, that are looking seriously into entering the portal. Let's talk to all of them and make sure they leave. Because the one thing, again, I cannot emphasize enough that Georgia is a lead at is not burning bridges, barring being banned from the team or voted off for whatever reason. This team does an amazing job and the staff does an amazing job of making sure players feel comfortable once they enter the portal. I guarantee you Brini will not sit and bash UGA because he decided to go to Arkansas. And I guarantee you the staff will not bash Brini because he decided to go there. Yeah. It and is listen, a very friendly system. And Green, you're exactly right. Yet have I heard since since Kirby Smart has been here, any situation where any Georgia former Georgia player or any for uh, any Georgia staff has said anything bad about each other. You don't you just don't see it, right? Correct. I can't you can't say that for other programs. You just can't. Look at the Riley situation over at uh in Oklahoma to USC. Listen, there's some bad blood there still. The players just, just like it. You I'm telling you, LSU Notre Dame, there's some rivalry coming there and it's building from the Brian Kelly situation. Listen, that right there is a perfect example of burning bridges and Georgia is not that situation. Georgia will not do that. Kirby Smart won't allow that situation to happen. And they're even even when things happen to, to you know to players, whether they're dismissed from the team or you know they they uh you know Athens Clark County's finest arrest somebody, right? Kirby's gonna handle it in the most professional way, keep things on the hush hush. Shit doesn't need to get private. Like it needs to stay private. Handle it behind closed doors. That's what I love about Georgia's program. And now Juan, I want to ask you a question about the scholarship spots. You've played on this situation. Looking at where Georgia is now, right, do you expect people, you know, how do you see them getting it down? Do you do you see them having to sit there and tell you, hey, look, sorry, but 
go here and do and, and, and succeed? Or what are your thoughts on the on the situation? Well, it, it, you know, if, if, if I'm going to look at a positional group that I, I would look at, I probably would say tight end. We're very tight end rich. Um, but it, it really just depends. So if, if you've got a guy that is diehard, brought up UGA for life, and they think, hey, you know what, I, I may not get the playing time, but I'm going to stick it out. It, 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 those are going to be the guys that are, you know, are, are going to stay. They're Georgia no matter what. It's going to be your guys that are looking to say, yeah, I, I want my chance in the spotlight. Here, here's what's going to make it a little bit easier is going to be, number one, Georgia just came off of a national championship. So and as, a, as a college football player, that is the ultimate top thing is to be on a national championship to be able to sport that ring. So now a lot of these players that want to go and get more playing time, guess what? They're going to be able to go to the Arkansas or the Kentuckys and say, hey, listen, I was just as good as such and such. I didn't get my opportunity. So, you know, I've got, you know, I was on a national championship team. I was the third guy or sorry, sorry, second guy, third guy, or I was rotating in with, you know, this person or that person. I can make a huge difference for your for your football team. Now, if Georgia was still you know, or they're right there at the cusp of winning their first national championship. So you look at your Jordan Davises and those guys who decided, you know what? I think that we're going to get the ultimate, ultimate trophy in college football. I'm coming back. If they didn't feel like that, or if they didn't think that they had a chance, they probably would have gone and, you know, gone off to the NFL. So for, for most of these guys, we've won our rings. Most of the, you know, just like the Alabamas of, uh, of the world, we, we've got our rings. We've got the ultimate goal. Now let's go and try to get to the next level. So I, I think that's just kind of where you have to look at it for, for most of these guys. I think getting down to that scholarship uh, to, to the 85 is, is going to be pretty easy because of that. That's an interesting take that I didn't even think about, it, guys. I really didn't. Thank, hey, Juan, thanks for that uh, different insight right there. That's oh, a good Oh, yeah, uh, actually, let me say something real quick. So, because I'm because I'm looking at somewhat of the scholarship distribution now, um, with Clay Webb, Condon leaving, and with Mims coming back, we're looking at 19 offensive linemen on scholarship. I don't think we can keep 19 guys on scholarship, in my opinion. So, I think you probably would see a guard or two. Yeah, know, exactly. Honestly, because uh, listen, you know, one of the things. Then we'll transition. I want to talk about Gabe Harris and the commitment here in just a second, but I do want to bring this up. You look at the log jam, in my opinion, at the guard position. Guys get recruited as tackles, get immediately thrown inside to guard, right? And, and honestly, I would like to see guys, you know, honest, true evaluation, you know, tackles, stay at tackles, guard, come in and guard, go immediately there, right? We, we look at high school tackles, right? That's And, and Brooks Austin – perfectly described this. You look at guys, that, when you look at the tape, you're like, yep, that's going to be a guard, right? That's true tackle. Like Amarius Mims, prime example. That's a true tackle. Super athletic, everything like that. A lot of these guys need to come in. You know, we have so many guards that, like Mike said, you, you it wouldn't surprise me to see one or two go, right? Because right now you're fighting for, I, I want to say you've probably got seven or eight guys trying to fight for two spots. So it would not surprise me to see a guard or two go. Uh, but listen, they're gonna they're gonna go somewhere and they're going to play. <laughs> and like Juan said, Georgia just came off the national title. Apparently, you're good enough to win a title with them. You're going to play. I would expect, right? You have a very good opportunity to go in somewhere and compete for playing time immediately. But with that being said, we're going to talk about uh, Gabriel Harris, right? Uh, committed Sunday uh, to Georgia. Uh, what, 6'4", 240, uh, listed as an edge rusher uh, out of Valdosta, right? I don't think you're looking at a top 100 player. I'm excited for this pickup, right? I, I'm excited, right? Because that's that prototypical edge rusher that you're looking for for Coach Uzo uh, to take and, and find that right niche for him, right, the, the plan, the strategy to succeed when it comes to pass rush. I am absolutely ecstatic that this guy committed, especially, uh, you know, over the weekend, Cannot wait to see this kid between the hedges. Uh, Scott, uh, Green, Mike, Juan, what are y'all's thoughts on this commitment? 
Um, I think it's a bad week to be a Florida State fan, first off and foremost, to uh, <laughs> kind of add more salt to the wound. But you're 100% right. I'll go ahead and give you guys his 24-7, and then I'll let Mike go. 91, av- 91 national ranking. He is the ninth edge and the eighth player in the state of Georgia. In the national rankings, he is 192nd in aggregate, meaning all the top 100, top 300 rankings, the 23rd edge, and 18th, our 23rd player overall, and 18th player in the state of Georgia. So massive get. We're going more of a prototypical speed slash edge guy. Um, perfect example. A little bit bigger than Adam Anderson, but a little thicker too. And yeah, going uh, going back to what he said, so like the Nolan Smith, the MJ Sherman, which was hurt, the uh, Chambliss of the world, the 6'2", 6'1", 235 guys, Georgia seemed to be moving away from. Now they're looking at 6'4", 6'5", 250, 245, 240 dudes. Now, imagine those dudes who can run – what we ran at the uh, combine, running four, 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 fives um, at the edge position. Like, I would give like those quarterbacks would not be able to go around our uh, go around our D, D line because one of the edges will catch you. Like that is it. Like they do not want to go outside those lines. It, it's it's just not what what Georgia's trying to do is. They're trying to make sure that your quarterback stays in the pocket. And if your quarterback stays in the pocket, that means we're going to have a Kobe Dean or Tresman Marshall, JDJ coming up the middle and it's going to sack you. But you would not leave the pocket. Mr. Daniels, what say you about this recent commitment? So, so Scott gave all of the, 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 the 24 seven stats and, 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 and they're great. But what you really have to understand, what Scott gave was the, the stats. Uh, if you know anything about Georgia football, Georgia high school football, Valdosta plays Lowndes County, who has been nationally ranked. They play the Lee counties of the world who has played in, in state championships and won like two or three state championships. They play Florida schools. They play Colquitt County. They play some of the biggest and best football and in, in, are the biggest and best teams in the state of Georgia. So for him to have stats like that, for him to be touted like he is, is unbelievable playing against the teams that he plays against. So it is an, a huge get. It is an absolute enormous get. And, 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 and just like you were saying earlier about keeping those quarterbacks in the pocket, you get, you know, you take a Jefferson from Arkansas and, and, and keep him in the pocket and keep him from scrambling. Or you take uh, the quarterback from Florida. I can't think of his name right now. Number five. And, and you keep him bottled up in the pocket. And then you let the Nicobe Deans of the world be able to drop back in coverage or come blitz, or you let that defensive line come in there and just absolutely just destroy that inside. I mean, that's trouble. So that was an unbelievable, unbelievable pick. And like Scott said, it's it's a terrible time to be a Noel right now. When you turn on the tape, this kid is downright scary. How fast he gets after setting the edge. And that's in high school. I'm, against I'm, I'm elite competition. Juan's yeah. 100% yeah. right. Just to give you guys context, in the last decade, Valdosta has been named Titletown USA several times over, not just for one high school, but the whole aggregate, the average of every high school is elite down there. So for him to be ranked against top-tier competition like that, and, and all his numbers are great, it speaks to him being ready more so than the average top recruit he's already played against those guys going to georgia bama florida go down the line so that's a really good point to consider guys and also too i would say this so like he he was like say you're he was ranked eighth um overall um in georgia so if you look at the top 10 in georgia they already got the commits of bo hewley which is a beast offensive tackle marcus washington which is a beast cornerback that, and that those are all top 10 dudes. And then 
they're still in the fights for Justice Haynes, a dominant running back out of Georgia. And they still are fighting for Caleb Downs, Madden Sinker. And that this, these are just dudes that will um, just – like we, we want to make sure that we lock down Georgia and that we're going to put in a fight for whatever teams are coming in our way. Listen, this I, I'm not trying to bash this state, but it's not like the top eight. It's not like a top ten in the state of North Dakota. Okay, Georgia high school football is some of the best in the country, and to be eighth in the country or in the state for that matter, huge, huge get at this point. All right, it's just gonna leave it there. With that being said, all right, we've talked about Gabe Harris. Listen, as spring practice is wrapped up, right, you're looking at transitioning into the summer. Summer's known for hot days. What Georgia football is about to get spicy. It's about to get hot. Cannot wait for this. There's a lot to come. Listen, y'all know this. When it comes to recruiting, Georgia is a closing team. So right now, when you look, you know, it had been a minute, right? It had been a hot minute for that matter since Georgia had a commitment, right? So it felt like. So obviously you get a little, you know, you get a little bit of water to quench the thirst, right? In terms of the recruitment. Uh, aspect of things, recruiting side of things. Listen, it's about to get really hot come spring or come uh, summer into the fall with all these visits coming in right before senior season start. People like to commit. Listen, it's about to get interesting if you're a George Bulldog fan. And not only that, you still got the football side of things too. You got battles playing out. You've got, you know, you've got uh, the season starting in September. Listen, every single day, you don't even think about it, but you get one day closer to the start of the season. And as we get ready, I can't wait for this. Because I'm telling you right now, there's about to be some duck in Atlanta, and the dog's about to feast on that. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. With that being said, though, have a great rest of your day. Mike, Green, Juan, as always, it was a pleasure, gentlemen. With that being said, have a great day, everybody. Make sure to like and subscribe. Follow. Thanks for listening to the DGD podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to the DGD podcast YouTube channel where you can watch live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the DGD podcast and check out the website at www.dgdpodcast.com.